Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. We look for people who truly want to help people. There are plenty of clients to go around to all of our coaches. No one ever has to ask for, for more clients. It's just genuine interest in becoming a better coach and a better person in their like in their own lives as athletes, as family members, whatever it may be. It's just it's constantly just like pushing to be better, to yeah. be smarter, more inquisitive. It's great. I love I love our, our coaching team. I'm very proud of them. Me too. This is Alex, and you're listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. Today, we have a bit of a different episode. We start out by talking about a relationship win and opposite action, which you have to listen to to learn about. We get a lot of DMs and inquiries and questions about hiring and who we hire and if we're hiring. And spoiler alert, we are hiring. And this podcast talks about who we like to hire, how the hiring process works, and our amazing team of coaches. If you're a client, a prospective client, or somebody who wants to work for us, this podcast is going to tickle your fancy. that we could start this one off by celebrating a personal victory, relationship victory. I don't know. Alex, do you want to? Sure. So we, as you know, put in some pretty hard work into our relationship and ourselves. And funny enough, we were just watching, and I hate to admit this to our millions of listeners out there, but we watched The Ultimatum. Oh my God. We got kind of suckered into it because it was like, and as we've talked about, we don't have a lot of options for like, queer shows but uh, so the, the really, ultimatum is not a queer show right they just did a queer version yeah okay. so it was like we got sucked into that we start watching it and it's kind of bad but it's kind of like you can't you know that saying where you can't turn away from a train wreck is i the don't saying? think that's the same but you it, know what i'm getting at yeah. it's kind of like a train wreck it's hard same. to not watch even though it's like awful yeah I like it. It's it's a social experiment. That's how I justify watching these shows because and you see how people are in relationships and you see the patterns. It's easy as an outsider to see like, oh, that person's so avoidant or that person needs this or that, whatever it may be. It's really hard to identify that in your own relationship. Yeah. So for a really long time, Meredith and I really struggled with getting into these like patterns there's certain topics in our relationship that would start arguments and then we wouldn't be able to get out of them. And it happened every time to the point where then like we couldn't talk about it. And if we did, even if it was a very like curious question, it would turn into an argument because you would, and I say you, I mean, both of us would project like, oh, this person's like mad about it yeah, or upset or I've done something. So it took some like serious introspection and therapy to kind of recognize what our patterns are and how to get out of them and how to actually talk about certain things that aren't even that like controversial in our relationship. It just, there's a history and understanding each other's perspectives and having compassion for the other person's perspective and listening and doing all these things. And we had a couple conversations today that were really big successes for us. 
It was. I think that the, I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't even know that much about neuroscience, but I think that you kind of grease these like neural grooves in arguments and in relationship patterns to the point where even like a specific topic coming up can kind of like, yeah, trigger a response. I mean, trigger is a really strong word, but you sort of get pulled into this like specific way of reacting and it can get kind of charged really quickly. And so it's hard to break that. You make in my it, what happens with me is I start making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. About why a question is being asked, why it's being asked in a specific way. What's the motive? Why this wasn't brought up yesterday. Yeah. And I think that's really common with people mm-hmm. in relationships, if they even make it far enough to have the conversation. We had two kind of like not back to back, but one early in the day and then one a little bit later in the day. And it was like, like you get to the point in the conversation where you typically would go down one path and you can actually see it like it's there and it it's like calling your name and it takes work to respond in a different way. It's like it's almost like I mean, it's so precious. It's like you're holding a little baby bird like that's how delicate it is these for me it's the metaphors like you're on a teeter-totter yeah and you're kind of in the middle and you're like teetering okay and it's like i don't want to push this thing all the way down and walk off the other end yeah i kind of want to teeter in the middle and then kind of like just carefully walk back the other way yeah well i think that's this is why it's so important to kind of be working as a team through this stuff because you need to trust that if you if you do go down the other path if you choose the other adventure that you're not going to put yourself in a really vulnerable situation and then have your partner react in the way that they would normally. And so now you've done something that to you feels really vulnerable and your partner has like killed your baby bird. Yeah. <laughs> so then you feel like you're trying really hard and the other person is almost like, and this has happened to, I think both of us. And I think it's part of the learning process, but one person is like, Hey, I'm going to choose the alternate path here. Yeah. The, the right path, the path that I don't usually take. And I'm going to, be compassionate and I'm going to listen. I'm going to validate. And then the other person just like, screw that, screw that, you know, like, and almost like just stomp all over you. And it's like, kind of like a slap in the face. So it's, it's getting to the point where you both are kind of acknowledging it, recognizing it, and then both choosing the other adventure. Yeah. Cause it feels, it's really painful when that mismatch happens. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, obviously like continuing to have arguments and fall into dysregulated patterns is painful. That's not fun. The mismatch is even less fun. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts a lot. So yeah, I thought we did a really, a really good job. But while it's happening, you're just like you're so aware of it. You're so aware of yourself. Like t- I was like very aware of you, and like I saw a lot of like my awareness reflected in you. Like you were, I it felt we were like in the flow, but it was like a new dance. It was like we haven't done this before, or at least not as well as we did it. During these two conversations, it is like learning a dance and you have to be paying attention and you have to like be willing to kind of internally celebrate these victories as you go along, literally second by second as you're having conversations. It's just like you you have to be aware that like each of you are putting dropping pennies in the like the relationship piggy bank. Yeah. You're making deposits. And it felt really good. Yeah. At the end, we were like, we kind of looked at each other, both knowing that we had done it. Yeah. And we were like. Holy crap. We did it. And there's no one else to see it. And yeah. that's kind of the best part is it's you just have to celebrate it as a, a couple. Yeah. So that's kind of like my word of the week has been opposite action. Because that's like the best way to describe that. You set down a path where you would typically do one thing and 
you do the other. And I had like on a personal level kind of had that happen over the weekend. I just had some personal stuff and struggles and was I can tend towards pretty extreme sadness in certain moments. And it's like, I mean, not to get super vulnerable or into it on this podcast, it's not depression, but it's like there are certain things and events that really trigger some of my past and just make me feel really sad about it. It's like a sadness tornado. Like I just start mentally sucking up like all of the bad things that have ever happened to me. It feels really familiar to be in that kind of dark place. I don't know why. I'm sure it's I'm sure there's a psychologist out there who could tell me why that is. And it's a really hard place for me to get out of like mentally because I have not typically like been able to deal with my emotions, probably partially because of a lot of the stuff that has happened to me. And you helped me out a lot on that day, basically by saying like, look, like you have to do the opposite action. It's like, I know you want to go crawl into bed for the rest of the day. I know you want to do this, but like, what if we went on a bike ride instead? Like, just let's go outside and talk instead of being inside. And you don't want to because you're like, no, this isn't. This feels good. This feels right. Yeah. I, I like this sadness is what I, I need right now. It's like, I deserve it or it isn't going to work. If I try to do the opposite thing, you're so stupid. Why would you suggest that? I just need to go be in bed and be alone, but it does work. And it did work that day. And it's not something that I've like historically been very good at doing. I can let myself get to that place and stay there for like the better part of like a weekend. Yeah. So I, I had that experience and that really kind of brought to the front of my mind, this idea of opposite action for my, like my clients, the people who I talk with. And so that's kind of been, I've been coaching through that lens a lot this week. And yeah, just kind of saying, look, like when you get into a situation where, you know, maybe stress or feelings of imperfection trigger the desire to emotionally eat or be destructive in some other way, like pause and then work towards the opposite action. Like one thing with opposite action, it's kind of the same thing with radical acceptance. You're not pushing something under the rug. You take a moment, and I think we've talked about this metaphor where you swish your feet in the water of like self-pity and then you get the hell out. Like you have a moment to feel bad for yourself, to recognize the factors that are causing you to feel this way, and then like figuring out what is productive to get out. Like going back to bed, that may be productive. Like if you're really, really tired and you're overtired and this going back to bed is is fine. But for yeah. you, it wasn't. It was like you just wanted to like drown in your self-pity. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, is that productive? Mm-hmm. No. Like, of course, we talked through what was like what was going on and you do some things that are going to be productive to not have that happen or work towards getting out of that mindset. But then it's like, okay, what is the opposite action? And I remember I learned of opposite action in therapy. I remember in high school I was taking psych AP or AP psych. I'm not sure how you say it. And you learn about a study where they had brain scans and a person would put a pencil in their teeth. And by doing that, you have to like separate your lips yeah. and you're basically smiling. And it's not a smile. The smile isn't a result of you being happy. It's, it's the opposite. It's yeah. like you smile because you have a pencil in your teeth, but that impacts your brain and creates feelings of happiness. Yeah. Which to me, I'm like, that's amazing. That just goes to, and it's the same thing with motivation. Like you don't get motivated to do a behavior. You do a behavior and that makes you motivated. And then 
the motivation to do more makes you more motivated. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing with feelings to some degree. If you can start moving your body or doing something like even just smiling or like when you're in an argument, my therapist go like do the opposite action. You want to like kill that person, go and give them a hug. And I laughed. I was like, that seems just preposterous. Like I can't imagine, but it is, it's like a physical touch. Yeah. Like go over and like touch that person and it can really shift things because it's like, one little thing, one behavior that's mechanical can shift the way that you're thinking. That's so powerful as hard as it can be, but it gets easier. It's the same thing with like, I don't want to, and I was saying this about CrossFit or running, like sometimes it can be so hard to start something that you don't want to do, or you know, that's going to be uncomfortable, but all you need to do is, is three, two, one, go. The clock starts, you do it and you're better for it when it's over. Yeah. And that's not unlike other things in life. Yeah. And don't focus on like the big thing. Focus on the single thing that you have to do. The one rep, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that is it feels really difficult at first because that's how it feels to like start conditioning a different response, especially if you've been responding in the same way for years like we have, like I have in certain situations. And sometimes you don't need to go as far as like do the opposite action. Sometimes it's just learning to do nothing, like just learning not to respond in the way that you would normally do. And that's like the whole like parable of the two arrows thing, which I know we've talked about on the podcast before. And we just recently post about like, that's that concept, which is, you know, bad thing happens ow, that hurt. And then you avoid that second arrow of reacting emotionally to the bad thing that happened. And you don't have to go do anything different. It's just recognizing like, Hey, I would normally do this and I'm going to choose not to. And maybe that's enough. You don't have to go out and go for a run or a walk. Although that like those things can help. It's easier to fill a void than to create one. But that is how you start rewiring, like greasing the groove of new neural connections when certain events happen. It's, re- it's really hard. I think the hardest part and the prerequisite is awareness. Yeah, You have to be aware of, of things. And that takes time and practice as well. And sometimes an outsider's perspective to be like, right. this is what's happening. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I I wanted to read a little poem. One of my clients actually sent it to me. I love it. And it's a lot. It can it can relate to nutrition. It can relate to relationships. It can relate to a lot of things. And it's five different paragraphs. So the first ones I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out Two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It is a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Five, I walk down another street. It's an autobiography in five chapters by Portia Nelson to give due credit, but that is powerful. And I think it's like, it is, it speaks to like, first you have to be aware of the fact that you're falling in a hole and that you can change it. Cause before it's like, you're just falling in a hole and it's just like, it's, this is, this is happening to me, but really it's not. So that, I thought that was powerful to share. And yeah, I I mean, that's great. You're the one walking into the hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't make you a bad person. I think that's like, you have to, you have to also be able to release yourself from shame and judgment for struggling Mm -hmm. to change certain behaviors. Yeah. We work with clients who fall in holes to use that metaphor. And you try to say as a coach, like 
in a, in a nice way, in a kind way, or have the, the client recognize through conversation and questioning like, Hey, is, you know, is there maybe a hole that you keep falling in there Yeah, and they keep falling in it or they fall in it a second time, a third time, even after re- recognizing that like, Oh yeah, I am an all or nothing person. Like yeah. you're right. That, that never really occurred to me. And then they fall in again and again. And it's like, I can't do this. I give up. But it does sometimes take time to get to that point where you you see the hole and you're able to walk around it. And that is okay. Like if you think about it, a lot of these people out there that we work with are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Like these are you've been falling in a hole for a really long time without even knowing that you're down there. And it's not like you just hire a coach and immediately stop falling into the holes. Like, I think that's the mental trap that people fall into is they want to they want to hire a coach and then they want to somehow immediately be perfect and not mm-hmm. struggle. But it's like, no, that's uh, you've been a human for a long time. We're also not magicians. We're just here to support and walk with you and stand beside you when you're in the hole and be like, hey, get out of there. Let's try this again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's like that's coaching. And it's it's not being like, you're so stupid. You fell in that hole. We just talked about this. Like, yeah. That's not, I mean, I'm sure there are some coaches out there who do that, but yeah, we, sh- we sure don't. I love metaphors. They're great. They really get points across yeah, in ways do. that sometimes plain language can't. So I guess uh, the point of this podcast, which is to discuss our coaching and specifically what it takes to coach on our coaching team. We get a lot of people who send us messages on Instagram, DM, who email us through the website and things who want to work for us. They want to coach for tactic. I don't think anyone's ever cold emailed and gotten a job, but we also never talked about what it takes. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. There's not really any specific formula to getting hired. Every coach that we have has a different background, some with extensive nutrition coaching experience, some with none coming in. And I mean, I came into coaching with everyone starts somewhere. I think at this point, we are looking more to hire people who are a little bit more experienced. But what does it take? What does it take? If you had to like boil down the top three or five attributes of what you would consider to be a really good coach and someone who you would want to hire, what like what is that person? I think outside of the coaching experience and how they coach qualities in a person that I like to hire and I like to work with and, and see are people who can think critically and take criticism. They're reflective. If a client leaves, they're not like, oh, the client had financial problems. It was like, what could I have done better? It's asking for feedback. That's important. And being able to take it and be okay and move forward with that feedback. So in a sense, having some thick skin. I obviously don't like to discriminate completely, but a lot of our coaches are athletes or have some sort of background where they've had to kind of get uncomfortable and had coaching in the past and know what it takes to kind of to get better. And that's to be criticized. To get better specifically by being like pushed on. Yeah. And getting feedback. Like if if you don't want feedback, then how are you going to get better? The ability to take feedback and apply it. The ability to problem solve. You know, they run into a problem rather than running to their boss or their partner. They try to figure it out first. And they come with potential solutions. I'll steal this point really quick. Sure. So I used to work in biotech and pharmaceutical development, and I was a part of a lot of interview teams. And we would always ask this question. It would immediately either qualify you or disqualify you to continue in the interview process. And the question was really simple. It would be something related to the job, like this situation happened in the lab. 
what do you do? If their response was, I would go to my manager and let them know and ask them, you're immediately disqualified from continuing the interview process and getting hired. And the reason was it doesn't demonstrate really any level of critical thinking or problem solving ability. It demonstrates this person needs to be told explicitly what to do. And so the answer that we were always looking for, and this is the answer that I think we look for now with our team is like, well, I would first do this, then I would do this, then I would do this, like some amount of problem solving to work themselves to a solution. And then if I was not able to get the resolution or I wasn't satisfied that it was the correct path forward, then I would go ask my supervisor to check my work and for their advice and reassurance that it is the right path. And that's it. That's what I've always thought is one of the best qualities in any employee, whether you're working for us or on an engineering or science team, but just I'm going to try to figure this out and learn because that's the best way to learn is by figuring it out. And then the best case scenario is you do figure it out and you get to take your like problem solving and your solution and your win to your boss and be like, oh, well, this like this thing happened, but I did this, this and this and it turned out okay." which you're like, hell yeah, good job. The third one is communication. Very clear communicator. I always drone on about this to our coaches and to my friends and because I'm, you know, the cool person at the party. But like punctuation Mm. is really important. I think it it sends the message that I am a professional, but I'm also inviting. And finding that balance with punctuation is important and huge, especially with us because we communicate primarily over email and text message. So that can be taught to some degree, but it definitely is helpful when somebody comes in and you feel like they're excited to hear from you. I have two more. It, I'm, I'm doing a great job considering you plot this question onto me. I know. I with- will say if, if you're not sure, like I took a netiquette class one time, which is just etiquette of the Internet, which was actually incredibly helpful. OK, yeah. Just on what certain etiquettes are through different channels of communication. But go on. You're doing great. The fourth one is work ethic. And that one's hard to see based on a resume. It's not that hard to see in a resume. I think you can tell based on their credentials. You can hire someone. And I remember someone told me this when I was studying for the LSAT. Like being a lawyer is a very respected degree because it shows not that you're smart or anything that it's real. like it shows that you you've worked really hard for a really long time. And I think that's huge. Like if someone has a PhD or a master's, it's like, okay, that person is a hard worker. Like they're willing to kind of like work hard for more than the minimum amount of time to get something that they want. Well, yeah. And, and talk about like the power of delayed gratification. Yeah. Too. Not saying that we need that. I mean, you don't. And look at you. You're a hard worker. I am a hard worker. Um, um, so it's like, it's, like uh, it's just one, one indicator I find. Yeah. There are a lot of different indicators. The fifth one is, and this one's a little bit hard to tell just based on the person. I think it's more specific to what we're looking for. But somebody who's looking to do it for the right reason, passionate about what we do. And that's helping people. It's not to make money. It's not to make money. Really, it's not (laughs) to have a side gig that makes money. It's because they truly love it because that it's so easy to see through. Yeah. And it's easy to see through when we have a coach who wants to make money and who's not actually passionate about helping people. Yeah. And it's easy to see the, the client can see it, too. Yeah. And it just creates this uh, as soon as that becomes the main motivator, stick a fork in them. Yeah. I mean, I think we've we've had every every coach coming up. I've said like, hey, we're you know, we're we're sponsoring this person or they're not paying or they're paying, you know, a minimal amount for coaching because they can't afford it. Like 
they're, they're on a disc, you know, whatever. They want a prize. Can you take this person for a reduced cost? All of our coaches have been like, no problem. Yeah. Not even blink an eye about yeah. the fact that they're maybe getting paid a little less. And that was early on when, you know, we weren't as able to be as generous, I guess you could yeah. say. Like, you know, we were kind of working as a team and and taking some breaks for people. But that's to say that all of our coaches right now are doing it because they want to help people. We have had people who are in it for the money and it's it's a quick fix. I guess a sidebar kind of coaching is a really interesting field. It's a very unregulated industry. And I think we do nutrition coaching, but really we, it is kind of like life coaching. And I think a lot of nutrition coaches out there are coaching in the same way we are probably not as well. And that's not a jab at anyone. That's just the truth. I think a lot of people get sold this idea that you can be a coach and you can make a lot of money and you can do it on the side. You don't have to work that much. And it's, it's sort of turning into this, like, I don't want to say pyramid scheme. I don't want to really get into the nuts and bolts of like (laughs) coaching mentorship programs, but there are a lot of people out there who are being sold the same idea. Like you can work for yourself. You can set your hours. You can do this. You can do that. You can make millions of dollars. And all you have to do is sign up for my three month coaching program. It's $21,000 and you'll get this, you know, this certification to be a professional life coach but it's not really a certification. It's not accredited in any way. And you have people running all kinds of models that offer similar coaching education and the promises of sustained income, either as a main source of income or a very lucrative side hustle. And so I think you have a lot of coaches in the space who are operating with that belief. And then you have people who are like us. And so we work really hard to find the people who are like us, who are in it to coach people and you know, not swindle people out of their money. We're not running a tactics certification series, that kind of thing. But it is really hard because it's it, you're 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 working with people, and if you don't want to help people for the sole purpose of helping them, what are you doing? I don't know. Sorry for that sidebar. It's just no. I think that's an important one. Yeah. So more like specifically, we came from the CrossFit space, and nutrition coaching in CrossFit got really popular in part because a few really big companies and athletes came onto the space around 2015. And so a lot of CrossFit coaches and people who do CrossFit sort of became nutrition coaches. And there's a one path to that and it's precision nutrition. Most people have that certification who are doing nutrition coaching. Sometimes you'll you'll see people with the WAG certification as well, but that's like the primary route. And then it's like, I'm a nutrition coach. I have my PN1 and it's a great certification. There's tons of good information in there. It's really basic, but like very easy to apply. But more so now we're looking for people who have more going on. Maybe they have a PN1. Maybe they don't. Maybe they have a master's in clinical nutrition. Maybe they come from a holistic nutrition background. Maybe they come from a totally different sport. Like I, you know, we're looking at people who've never even done CrossFit before. And it's, we're looking for, and we really value a very diverse set of life experiences and skill sets and people who can bring something more to the table than just. I have my PN1 and I know how to estimate portions with my hand size and communicate that to clients over email, text, or phone. Great. Really cool. That's a good start. Everyone knows how to do that. Yeah. Including the clients that are hiring us. Yeah. So, we, you know, we work as a team. Our staff is, you know, we're remote. People are all over the North America who work for us, but we have team calls and we have really interesting conversations and talk through client issues together and 
the more someone brings to the table from an experience and a knowledge standpoint and the more outside the box they think like, I don't want to, I don't want to hire someone who thinks like I think I want to hire someone who thinks differently so that when I'm sitting on a team call with them and they say, well, Hey, what do you think about this? Or have you ever thought about it in this way? Like they're making me a better coach. That's what I want. Yeah. Like we have a book club and there was one book where I straight up was like, no one like, and it's a safe, it's a safe place, but it wasn't a book picked by me. And I was like, I didn't really like it. And that's okay. And it's like, well, why not? There's no hard feelings. And it's just like, that's open and respectful opinions and communications. It's not necessarily about having to agree with an opinion or agree with a perspective. And we listen to a variety of different podcasts. And sometimes we say that, like, I didn't really agree with this person, but I guess it is helpful to understand that perspective. It's good to know that person feels that way because you may have a client that comes in who has that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. This is like, we're making eye contact (laughs) through the microphone stand. There's so many wires and metal bars that our eyes, (laughs) I can only see your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) We're in Fernie and we're recording in our little like loft here, which is not necessarily the most ideal place to be recording a podcast. And the setup's a little weird, but (laughs) tight. We're doing it. Yeah. I mean, we want our coaches to grow with us and we have a pretty large team of coaches at this point. Everyone who's on our team is on our team because they belong on our team and they've been they're kind of the, the chosen ones, but even still like our, our coaches grow and they learn and they change. I bet you, if you ask Lindsay, if she's changed as a coach in the last three and a half years, she'd be like, yes, 100%. And you change not only through working with people, but also working on a team. Marissa is, she's been on our podcast. We'll link it. She's probably the one who has changed the most as a coach. I've just witnessed it. I also work with her as a, she's my client, but you know, talk about someone who kind of comes from a performance nutrition background, PN1 WAG, great coach, just like as soon as we hired her, she was great. But you you see this kind of curiosity with different coaching techniques, with, you know, the motivational interviewing style of talking to people with immunity to change. Like you you start developing curiosity with all these different approaches and theories and concepts, and you're able to apply those in your coaching with your clients pretty seamlessly. And that comes from working on a team, I think, specifically our team. It just makes me really excited because I, I see that happening and it just it's like, yeah, all of our coaches are kind of like stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. And it's really hard. It's really hard to coach that way. It's really hard to think outside of the box and apply confidently apply new strategies to your clients. And I think for some coaches, it can make them feel out of place. It can make them feel like, shoot, I don't know enough or like, you know, you develop a little bit of imposter syndrome, but iron sharpens iron. I think we all make each other better. And if you can't stand in the fire and deal with the discomfort of like learning a new technique and being a novice at something, then you're just, you're not going to be able to hang. That's kind of the truth. Yeah. And I think the, to go back to kind of the, I, we look for people who truly want to help people. None of these coaches are trying to level, like, it's not a competition. There are plenty of clients to go around to all of our coaches. No one ever has to ask for for more clients. It's just genuine interest in becoming a better coach and a better person in their like in their own lives as athletes, as family members, whatever it may be. It's just it's constantly just like pushing to be better, to be smarter, more inquisitive, more level headed, like whatever it may be. I mean, we share a lot of like personal stuff with each other it goes beyond the working relationship as well. So it's, 
I don't know. It's great. I love I love our, our coaching team. I'm very proud of them. Yeah, me too. I think in our intake form, when you sign up to work with us as a client, there are some questions in there about if you've had a good experience with a coach, what made it distinctly good? And then if you've had a bad experience with a coach, what made it distinctly bad? And it's really eye-opening. That question specifically is very eye-opening because you see what's out there. People will tell you what their experiences have been good and bad, but the bad experiences specifically are like, shoot, there are people out there who are doing this to clients who are actually, you know, shaming them for not hitting their macros or being really negative or missing check-ins. And it's just, I see that and I'm, I, it makes me, yeah, feel good about the quality of work that, that we do with people and that our coaches do meet that standard. And it's basically the, the, when people actually have something negative to say in that intake form about a previous coaching experience, it reads as the opposite of what we do, which is basically a high level of communication, a lot of trust, engaged, interested, positive. We never judge or shame. We basically do the opposite of whatever the negative experience was in the past. We have had people come on the on the intake form who've signed up. I don't know where they find us. They clearly do not follow our Instagram account and don't know what we're about. And they come on asking to be shamed. Like, I need a coach to be hard on me. I need a coach to make me feel bad when I don't have good days. I'm not exaggerating. Legit, like, I want a coach to make me feel like shit. I need somebody to hold me accountable and, like, get mad at me when I, and tell me to, like, to get my act together and all these things. And I had somebody like that recently. And then Marissa's had a couple people recently. And we were both like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to be hard on someone. Yeah. Like, I, I legit, it's so far from what I know and, and, and what is like, right and productive that even if it's the what the person wants I can't do it it just goes against everything I know and I also just can't I like I don't even know it's so I don't even know what the words would be like get your act together I guess I could say that I don't know but it's so it's just so wrong well yeah and like in the the spirit of being an evidence-based company which we are yeah we operate from a core belief that the like existing body of scientific evidence is sufficient for modifying behavior. And the evidence is really clear on the impact that shaming has on mental health and specifically on physical progress. And it's not good. It has a net negative impact. It might help someone in the short term, but it's not going to help them in the long term. And it's going to decrease feelings of self-efficacy. It's going to decrease self-determination and autonomy. And it creates a heavy reliance on frankly, straight up emotional abuse to continue to work. And so that really begs the question of like, why is trauma and emotional abuse the thing that gets you to start and apparently maintain action? Like that's a bigger question. Well, they, and, and yeah, they don't one. because they're signing up for nutrition again with us. And they say like, oh, it worked last time when my coach was really hard on me. Yeah, well, it didn't. It didn't work because you're here. And there's a general unwillingness to try a softer approach, but we're not going to yell at anyone. We're no. not going to hire anyone that yells at people either. It reminds me of this thing. This is totally unrelated. I'm so sorry. I read on, I don't know if it was the independent, I can't remember, but it was basically how there are certain people who, and I just had a client who signed up and told me that this is like a, a thing about her that not many people know. So I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but she will. There are certain people who they wind down at the end of the day by watching true crime documentaries. 
<laughs> we're also doing that right now, but it's we're like watching a the Boston massacre, the Bo- Boston bombing one, manhunt, I think it's called. But these are people who like it's what they do every day. Put on true crime, put on Dateline, whatever it is. And that's the thing that helps them wind down at the end of the day and how there's a psychology around that and a normalization of trauma. And that should there that's kind of problematic from a mental health standpoint and something that people should maybe explore with a therapist on why it is that trauma is the thing that helps you wind down. Yeah. Or have success in nutrition. Yeah. So that's they're kind of linked, I think. I don't know if the psychologies are linked, but certainly it's a clearly a pattern of behavior or an expectation that comes from somewhere. Yeah. Like in my in my experience with those people, it's like you want to say to them, why don't we explore like why you need someone to get mad at you for and I in quotes fail. Why don't we explore why that's the case so that you don't need that to have success in the future? Yeah. And they just scoff and then they quit. Have you ever tried saying, but I think you're doing a great job and just see how that goes? No, I haven't. (laughs) I usually will will say like, I know you, you know, you are here for accountability. So I want to keep you accountable. But I'm wondering if maybe we should set some smaller goals. (laughs) They don't like that. They don't. But I'm like, this is I'm trying to find a middle ground here. They're like, no, I want you to yell at me for not meeting my big goals. It's like, I'm yeah, I can't. They often are the ones that are like, it's been a week and I've only lost four pounds. Right. I'm like, what? Only. Got well, it. actually, not very many people on our program lose four pounds in a week. Let's say it's been a week and I've only lost one and a half pounds. This isn't working. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is good. Good talk. I got a buck and bronco on my hands here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I you guess. can turn some of those people around. I'm going to be positive. You you certainly can. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, a lot of our Instagram is about that. And you can get people to to buy into those videos and the write ups. And a lot of what we put out is science based and there's resources and stuff like that to kind of back up our approach and saying to someone like the fact of the matter is like what you think has worked in the past hasn't. And sometimes that can be enough in a, in a soft way, of course. Yeah. Those are difficult clients when they come in. And it just it goes to say that we can't we can't coach like that. It yeah, just it is not us. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I guess we are hiring. I don't know. Did we say that already or? Yeah, no, we didn't. I think we're we're looking to hire at this point a full time coach. And when I say full time, I mean, you're preferably already coaching with a coaching roster, a client roster, and you're willing to not have another job like this is now your job. Our most successful and best coaches are the ones that are making this into a career. And it is full time. It can be more than full time. Mm -hmm. It's very busy. It's not a side gig. And I think that is to say that a lot of our coaches, this is what they do. We only have very few people who aren't coaching, whether it's in another capacity, who have another job that is not coaching related. I remember a person who who we knew through the CrossFit community, they were a gym owner they casually kind of told us, I'm going to start coaching nutrition on the side for some passive income. And that was the language that they Mm -hmm. used. You know, (laughs) there's no such thing as passive income also. So I kind of like laughed. And at that point we were maybe a year or two into tactic and it was soul sucking amount of work (laughs) at that point in the business. And, you know, they said that they were so casual about it. I'm just going to do this on the side for some passive income. They tried. There was an Instagram account there were some really terrible posts that went up, not terrible as in like the content, but just like they weren't good. 
And needless to say, I don't think that person is nutrition coaching anymore because I think that there was a realization of how incredibly not passive that work actually is. It's and- not a joke. Like I, I used to have clients that are like, we're like, what's your real job? Right. And I'm like, you're paying me to be your coach. Like, this is my job. This is all I do. It's all I think about. It's mainly all I talk about. Yeah. It's all I read about. <laughs> it's all I listen to. This is it. This is this is it for me. Yeah, I've had similar. Or that was also used to happen more when people thought we were still, they're like, but you're a professional athlete, right? I was like, no, I've really like never been a professional athlete. <laughs> I was a poor athlete, if you want to go yeah. that far. But- I think there can be passive income, but it takes a whole ton of work to get to that point. Yes. I don't know what amount of work that is. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> That's for sure. I want to talk briefly about some distinct traits that would make someone not a coach we would want to hire. And this is something that, yeah, we see a lot of. Uh, there's really only two. There's only two traits. We've already talked about one, and that's like heavy reliance on sort of standard operating procedures, ways of doing things that are very specific. I call this like McDonald's coaching. There are are companies out there, mostly larger companies, way larger than us, who that's what they want. They want someone who can follow a protocol. They can follow a script. They do things to a T, the end, pat yourself on the back, go home. They don't want people connecting with clients on a personal level. Like they are there to basically be a robot and follow a script. So that's not what we're looking for. And then the second thing, you see this a lot specifically with nutrition coaching and some with fitness, but a lot more with nutrition is people who coach pretty much exclusively through the lens of their own personal experiences, whether that's a personal experience with weight loss, a personal experience with performance improvements, or a personal experience through recovering from an eating disorder. But people who basically like, this was my experience, it worked for me, and I can help it work for you too. That kind of coaching, again, super common. That's problematic because it just demonstrates a number one, lack of fundamentally knowledge, and then also lack of curiosity, understanding and respect that everyone is different. And even though something worked for you, which is wonderful, glad it worked for you, it may not be the best approach for somebody else. Those are kind of the two things that that we don't like to see in coaches that are kind of somewhat prevalent out there in the space. If someone wanted to apply, how would they go about applying? So the best thing to do to apply is to email your resume and a cover letter or statement of purpose to info at tacticmethod.com. So things not to do, sending an inquiry on direct message on Instagram saying, hey, are you hiring? What do I need to have from a certification standpoint to get hired? I get that like putting a resume together is a pain in the butt, but if you want this job, you'll do it. If you want a chance at this job, you'll do it. It's it's a barrier to entry. So that's that's the best thing to do. Send a, a resume. And then at that point, we usually send some screening. We have a standard screening package to make sure that the coach is is what we're looking for from a time perspective. They have the time availability. Their experience is what we need. They can answer simple nutrition-based questions that they might get from a client. And then from there, we do the vibe check. The vibe check. Which is a a call with me and Meredith and Lindsay. And those are pretty pretty chill. We just like to get to know the person. They do involve riddles. (laughs) No, they don't. Like, If you are a pencil in a blender, how do you get out? (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. No, we don't ask any like standard interview questions. We maybe once like, where do you see yourself in five years? If someone has like a really cut and dry answer to that, I'm like, get out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's just it's a pretty casual process. We did have one coach who described herself as I don't know. I'm kind of like a feather in the wind. Well, we ended up hiring her because she's just the best person ever and we yeah. love her and she's been great. Yeah. Like, really? You Hopefully the that? wind keeps you attacked. Yeah. Like, that's such a <laughs> unique answer on an interview question. I love and the honesty. Yeah, I do appreciate that. A lot. We really did. And yeah, she's. But can I tell you this crazy story? It's it's unrelated to this, but it's a really ridiculous story that actually a client told me they work in. I don't know if it's IT, but this was an IT kind of situation, a remote worker. That basically, I guess, managed to get hired twice by the same company. So they like catfished the company. They got hired once and then went through the hiring process again. But like, I think used a VPN. So their IP address on a second computer was coming through India. They used like a different name. They were getting paid twice for two different positions at the same company. But it was one person. And I guess they caught on because... It was kind of like a super, it turned into like a Superman Clark Kent situation. Like they were never on the same meetings at the same time. And so I guess someone caught on and found out, but I'm like, that is incredibly bold. And they were, I think they were high. They worked for like over a year pulling two salaries. So I don't know if that's going to go to court. I don't know how that resolves, but I just thought that was crazy. Well, what, what would they, how could they go to court? Like fraud? Like, what damages are there? I have no idea, Alex. You're the lawyer. You I don't know. Me. I'd be curious to know how it... I mean, it seems like fraud. Like, that's like the cut and dry one. They used a fake identity to get... Yeah, that would be the big one. But the, there needs to be, like, a lot, like, losses, like, damages. I don't know. If they were managing two jobs for a year, they must have been doing a pretty decent job. Right? Yeah. But I don't know. Working from home. And I also read a statistic that a lot of people who work from home only work, like, an hour a day or something. And then they just like dick around the rest of the time. I, was I like, need well, I don't that know what work from that home is. job. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I just thought that was kind Do of. You ever, I remember when we first started hiring. I mean, when we first hired Lindsay, that wasn't really an interview. We knew her very well. And we knew it was really just like we had to convince her to work for us. Right. We're like, we'll do anything yeah. you want. Just please work for us. You're really smart and you, you're exactly what we need. Yeah. And she's been incredible. She's coming on three years now with us. Sometimes I, when we're doing like hiring, I think. Who am I to be hiring someone? Oh my God, I know. How is this? I have a business and I'm, will be people work for me? I know. I don't have like a lot of imposter syndrome really anymore, but I do have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm the boss. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, how did I get to be the boss? I don't know. I think, and I'll speak for our, our coaches. I think the majority of them and hopefully all of them enjoy their job and enjoy working for us. Yeah. I think they definitely have to rise to the occasion and we also have to rise to the occasion to meet them and push them. And, and likewise. So I, I, I'm so proud of our tactic team. I just, I could shout from the rooftops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like ultimately my, my mission to have a team full of people who are all smarter in some way than I am. And I think that makes a really good and effective team. Yeah. Next up, we're going to try to get everyone to get tactic tattoos. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I don't know about that one. I mean, there is another company out there whose owner and many of their followers does have the company. I know tattoo. it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Maybe. 
like a go one less tattoo, <laughs> power your potential. I don't know. Maybe if a client gets the tattoo, they get like lifetime free. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anywho, thanks for listening to this one. It was a little bit of an odd episode, but we thought it was well-timed and might be in enlightening for people who are coaches and interested in working for us or just learning more about our process. So you have any closing statements, Alex? Only one. And that is do or do not. No, no, not Yoda. I think some people choose tactic because of me and Meredith, because that is who they see online. Like every day they open their Instagram and here we are, one of us or both of us (laughs) doing something silly or not. But our coaches are a, a very direct reflection of, of our messaging and they practice what we preach and what they preach. And it's, it's very uniform across the board. It's the terms of service are delivered in the same way. And the fact that we have a variety of different coaches with different backgrounds makes it better for the client. So like if a client comes in, they may not even be the best fit for us, for me or you having this, this team of coaches is, is huge in terms of bringing in and making sure that we're serving the client to the best of our ability as a, as a team. So that's just to say that I think I've said that's to say four or five times on this podcast, oh, which is embarrassing. Eight. Really? Oh, geez. I don't know. Um, so that's all to say that, <laughs> that if you get somebody who's not near Meredith, you're lucky. Honestly. Yeah. They certainly have more time and it, probably energy to put into their one-on-one coaching than we do. Although we do, appreciate all the clients that we have but yeah our our team is kick-ass and yeah it's like they're all bought into what we're saying and doing and they put their own little unique twist on it and bring in their perspective and it's awesome so Mm -hmm. who's your favorite coach on our team if you don't say me like you thanks you're my favorite one too it was like close between you and Lindsay. i knew it i knew it and that's going to offend every other one of our coaches who listens to our podcast, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll wrap this one up. I want to say thanks again for listening and we'll catch you super soon. <laughs>